So Jeffrey Grossenbach here in the back of a London cab coming back from the future of web apps with James Cox. Hey. So what did you think of the conference this year? First time that I've been at a future of web apps conference. It's the first time I managed to make my way into it too. Um, and it, it, it's pretty cool in the sense that it's nice to have a real expo feel to, uh, to, to web 2.0. Um, a lot of the old faces, a lot of the old uh, sponsors and vendors, but you know, at the same time, there are a few real you know, gems of wisdom that were great to see uh, that really stood out for me. Um, it made the conference kind of special. Any lectures in particular that you... No, I'm not supposed to use lectures. You said in England, lecture is just like a school... Right. College course. Right. Sessions. Sessions. Sessions that stood out for me. I was really impressed to uh, see... Um, as a presentation by Head of Accessibility from, uh, I think, SuccessNet or SuccessibilityNet, uh, Robin Christopherson. Um, he was a blind guy. He came up on stage with his guide dog. Um, and sort of walk through the kind of pain that exists for, for people who have disabilities in the real world. Walk through things like Amazon.com, Google's various different apps, which are all pretty good for supporting accessibility, uh, all the way through to startups, uh, and showing the real pain. Now, as a, as a sort of startup guy, as a sort of developer, it's pretty easy to sort of get towards sort of level one of the guidelines, sort of all tag stuff. Uh, but really making things really accessible are kind of hard, and it takes a lot of effort for what's perceivably less gain. But actually, when you see it for real on stage and see someone who actually has to go through this pain to endure it, it kind of really strikes a chord that actually not paying attention is kind of pretty evil. Um, and, and, and it really made me think that, I, that it was worth doing things and fixing this problem. And you hear a lot of things that, by watching it, you realize are false. For example, it was reading through the Amazon site and you would hear, you know, spacer, gif. And who wants to hear that? Exactly. I mean, if you're blind exactly. and it's reading through, you don't care that there's a gif. There are so many UIDs everywhere. And, and again, we look at our specs for being a HTML content, but why, why isn't there a spec that says, if this is a space of GIF, call it this name, and it becomes irrelevant well, to the screen reader? A month ago in Seattle, I heard a, went to refresh Seattle, a lecture by a, not lecture, now they're using right. it again, but usability expert from Adobe, and he said, alt and just a blank string, that's what you, if there's an image that doesn't awesome. have any relevance, just alt and uh, you know that's the quotes. hack that's cool that's fantastic I mean, I mean that's a really great way of just dealing with that problem making it invisible to screen readers but at the same time I, I think to some degree someone talking with someone today I can't remember who it was but there was some discussion about it being kind of interesting um, that with the web being the web 3.0 or whatever that is next is it about being a web of data about being more about APIs and structure than it is about uh, UI if, if it could be that we could sort of move away from trying to make our, our, our web UIs, the prettiness that they are is fantastic. But what about if we move away and make them uh, for, 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 for perhaps able people and make a separate UI for those who need different requirements? Um, you know, it, it sounds sort of, sort of segregationist. It, it's not necessarily. It's just about saying we all have different needs and different requirements. So and Google, in fact, has done that. He showed there's a text-only view exactly. of Gmail, exactly. where, yes, we love all the Ajaxification of Gmail, but you can still do it with text-only. Exactly. So it's about making it work for, for, for people who don't necessarily have all the support, uh, you know, themselves internally or, you know, with their browsers. Um, and, and I think that's going to work. That, that, could, that could be really interesting. The idea of actually browsing Dig or um, Pounce or Twitter or, or any kind of, you know, delicious, whatever, any kind of API, any sort of central infrastructure, without having to, um, having to use the UI but actually being able to see on your own terms defining how you want to consume it I think is a really big part of it and I think we, it's okay to say that you know I might, I, want, I might want to consume this thing by RSS only or I might want to consume this thing by a screen reader or I might consume it on the phone it doesn't matter what it is but I have my requirements on my, you know, my, what, I, what I need and that's part of everything for everyone maybe that's a good 
result of APIs and people just starting to think more about machines and people using content, the same content in many different ways? I think it definitely is. I think it's a nice side effect, almost like a side benefit. If we, if we think too hard about making it really work really well for disabled people uh, and those who, who need different, different viewports, um, I, I think it, we could get in a situation where we could become too concerned about those people. Not, not too concerned about, about. But we can come sort of so entwined about making it work in that respect. We, we don't do a good job. I think if we just have this sort of agnostic approach to developing, that everyone has their own opinion about how they want to consume it, uh, regardless of whatever they have. Everyone's equal, right? So, really, I think that this, this means that we can get there quickly um, and not have to worry about things. It means that people can write their own screen browsers, own browsers that necessarily consume feeds right off the bat. Because you know, if you're blind, it doesn't matter how pretty or and how web two your site looks. It's not really going to work for somebody who can't see it. Um, and if you can make sure they get to the content really quickly, they can enjoy it just as much as everyone else can. Pause it. Uh, Creek Road, mate, just over the bridge. If, uh, if you go to Creek Road, yeah, yeah, yeah please. That's about driving around in London cabs. You uh, have to deflect from conversations once in a while. It's um, real world. It's real world. This is, was it the first real world Grosenbach podcast for Top Funky? Along that same lines, I was impressed with a lecture by Matt Bidolf. I'm not going to be right. able to stop using the word lecture. I get it. Session by Matt Bidolf talking about Doppler tracking where you are in the world and where you're going to be traveling. And he was talking about using OpenID not only as a way to log in, but to then, if you're an OpenID server, then users can get their data from your site and realizing that the data belongs to the users, they should be able to use it however they want to. Exactly. I think there's definitely this, this I mean, Matt calls it uh, from the Weinberger novel, um, not novel, the Weinberger book, uh, many pieces loosely joined. Uh, and I think there's a lot of truth in that. I, I think many of the guys who are, many people who are early adopters and people who use the internet a lot uh, are already really bored um, of having to uh, enter content again and again and again, having to review things again and again and again, having to fill profiles again and again and your again. friends, your, yep. Exactly. I've defined who my friends are, I have to define the context they exist in, why should I do that again? Uh, and, and so people are going to have to be, you know, have to agree as one set to off. It's just to the uh, right, it's just down here, mate. Uh, it's fine, just from that, in, uh, 